0: Hey, this is Keith Jones, the president of hockey operations of the Flyers. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, this is Travis Sennin. Hi, I'm Joel Faraby. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. This is Stan Helferty. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening, listening to the snow, snow, the snow, the snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie.
1: Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, players' podcast, prognosticators' podcast. P.D. Light Podcast, the only Flyers podcast. I'm Russ Joy, at Joy on Broad. This guy next to me over here, Anthony Sanfilippo, at Ant Philly. The man all the way at the end, Bundy, Chris Terrian, cterrian6 on Twitter. We are live. We are excited about a very, very exciting episode. Episode 225 of Snow the Goalie. 225 episodes, five years, five and a half years into this thing. Still the only Flyers podcast. We have a lot to get to today. The team's out west, a West Coast swing. They're bonding. John Tortorella says he he hopes they even show up playing a little guilty. We'll get to that in a bit. Plus, we have some thoughts on the standouts thus far this season and the biggest disappointments. But before we get into that, let's hear from the man in the middle. He's got some quafted hair. I don't know if that's a toupee. <laughs> I don't know if that
2: he's just. I took my hat off today.
1: But look at that! Wow, Anthony Sanfilippo, go ahead. How, how you doing, fella? Look at you.
2: Well, here's good. There. you know, it's funny, like we used to do the um the little pre-show for five minutes before uh, before we actually did the podcast for the YouTube only audience. That was something we were doing. I, I, even that, I don't think is sometimes enough. I sometimes wish that people could see the five minutes before we actually click live <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's always some kind of technological shit show last minute. <laughs> I think it's fine we, we figured it out we did, it.
1: we did our thing as we usually do I wonder if people would like to see the stuff that happens before the show perhaps we'll have some news on that at some point in the not too distant future perhaps some people will be able to join us for those few moments before we actually go live with the show huh well if you're joining us on YouTube by the way which is the number one place to go. You can be on Facebook, and that's fine. You can drop your questions, comments, concerns. If you're on Twitter, you can tweet at us, although we can't pull them up on the screen. But YouTube's the place to be, youtube.com slash at Snow the Goalie, or go to YouTube and type in Snow the Goalie, and, and you'll find your way here. Make sure you, if you don't have an account or you're not signed in, please do sign in. It's free, whatever. Drop the comments and hit that like button. Bundy, how are
0: you doing today? Doing great, guys. Doing really good. I uh, woke up this morning realizing that the Edmonton Oilers are worse than the Philadelphia Flyers and they have the two best players on the planet on their team but you know what yeah they lose to San Jose last night I mean you can even see the coach uh, Jay Woodcroft at the end of the game looking at Charlie Manson no one more is Dave Manson by his original name but he was Charlie on the ice and yes he was Charlie on the ice um, he said to him well I think that's it <laughs> Dave Manson goes yep <laughs> as they're walking off in San Jose so you know what? Um, there's a lot of teams that are down right now, none more so than the Edmonton Oilers. So if you're a Flyers fan, you could actually wake up this morning saying things are better in Flyerland, albeit that bad loss to San Jose, than they are at Edmonton. They are a mess there, and um, that's all I had right now. There'll be a lot more today as we're doing our regular show. We got a couple morning afters coming at you tomorrow and Sunday, but good to be here today and uh, an opportunity for the flyers to get revenge on two teams that stole four points from them in the Wells Fargo Center, Anaheim and LA. The it used to remember Anthony like 7 8 years ago, it used to be like a three-headed monster going through yeah. California when they were loaded, like San Jose was loaded, Anaheim was very good still when they had Perry and Getzloff and and of course LA coming off the cup. So it's not like that anymore. When you go out to L.A., you know, there's no reason if you're a good team you can't, you know, swipe four points out of there because, you know, out of the six possible. But this is an opportunity now for the Flyers, you know, with fresh revenge on their minds to get out there and try to – listen. One thing I can tell you, which is fun, the closer the Flyers are to that line, that cutoff line, the better it is for everybody. So – you know, and they're there like they've won enough games are starting to move. They move along a little bit where they were around 500. So my attitude is keep a rolling, and find a way to get some points this weekend and, and stay in the pack. It makes things a lot more interesting in Philadelphia or for any team, for that matter, that's in a playoff hunt. So
2: I'll say I'll say this. I'll reply to that. Bundy, I, I think that, you know, you look at those three teams and you're right. They're not as good as they once were. Right. Um, the Sharks are obviously dreadful. Um they don't, and the Flyers already lost to them. Uh, uh, Anaheim is a, has been a little bit of a surprise, I think, so far. They're 7-5 and five to start the season, right? Yeah. Um, so a little bit of a surprise. But that, they've got some really good offensive players. That doesn't mean that the Flyers should not take advantage of the the poor defensive game that the Ducks have. And they really don't have great goaltending. The Kings, on the other hand, I think are a much more complete team. Um, that said I thought that the Flyers could have played them better and and maybe even could play them well enough to win a game against them Um, but I think that the Kings you have a little less margin for error against the Kings than you do against the Ducks. So, you know, I think that the Anaheim game to me is the more important game. You, you don't you want to go out there and show that that game in Philly was was just a sloppy game by by the Flyers at times because I thought at times they were the better team and they should be the better team. Um, the Kings, you just want to see a, a good effort against that team, and if if you steal the win, great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% right. The Kings are the best team now in California. And, you know, they're a big team, too, right? Like, they haven't really changed a lot of their philosophy. So, you know, if they play a heavy game, LA can, you know, have a lot of success, where I think Anaheim's the most likely, uh, you know, likely spot the Flyers get the win. But, you know, you never know, they can get two wins on the weekend, or they could come in and, and just, you know, wheels come off, and it's not a good weekend. But, that's why I said last week, guys, we were talking, like, I would have liked to have seen them get that win against San Jose because it gets the road trip off on the right track and losing to someone like that, um, it doesn't it doesn't help uh, at all in terms of your confidence moving to the next road game. You win that first game, man, you can do some pretty good things. I've been on those type of trips, three, four games, five-game road trips, and it's so critical to get the first one, especially against a bad team, and that didn't happen.
2: I just want to point something out from around the league here, Bundy, and just go with me for a second you, t- you yeah. mentioned that the you mentioned that the Kings play a heavy game right so they're they're eight two and three they play mm-hmm. a heavy game. Does Vegas play a heavy game?
0: they they did last year in the playoffs I haven't seen a lot of them but traditionally they do
2: they're 11 two and one does Dallas yeah. play a heavy game?
0: Yeah they do for sure yeah
2: they're eight three and one does Boston play a heavy game? Yes they do they're 11 one and one. are we starting to see a trend as to what works in the NHL? In 2023-24? But,
0: but, but that's always worked. Like, look at well, the lose yes. clues. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I, I always said, like, bigger, hungrier, heavier teams win. The skill is cute. It's it's great. And if you look back at a handful of teams in the playoffs that have had those skill really on display, uh, it's guys where they had the skill, but they had a lot of surrounding players. is a great example of that. Right? Yep. Like, they have Kucherov, Stamkos. But they have so many good supporting pieces, too that could finish, finish checks They get in on it. They have great defense. Same with Colorado. You know, Vegas is a team like they're really built well. And you know what? You can look around the league and and see teams that have individual top heavy talent. You know, I mean, New Jersey's coming along with Jack Hughes, but I mean, Edmonton is a dumpster fire beyond words. And that's what happens when you have to shovel $20 million in on two players they're wonderful to watch. They're incredible talents, but it's not a winning formula. Right. You can't have one skill guy running your whole team, and I think the Flyers did for some time here with, with Giroux. I mean, he was the, the height of the skill, but that skill wasn't Crosby level. So you got to be careful what you're looking at with, with, with the skill. Look at Tarasenko was a goal scorer with St. Louis. He produced that year, but he predominantly been a, a regular season type of guy. You know, again, will he ever produce in a playoff again? I don't know the answer to that, you know, unless he gets back in. But, you know, sexy is great to watch. um, But producing big, heavy teams, getting on a four check, cycling the puck, wearing them down, uh, having a one and done in your own D zone is just paramount to a team winning because it eliminates a lot of fatigue and the heavy work you have to put into a hockey game through the course of a year. Um, Bigger is better it is and heavier is better when you get to those points and i'm not saying any way look at the washington capitals remember they won it in 2018 yeah they were a monster team they would just four-check yep. the hell out of you so the examples of the team that are that have won um, and the best example i can give you is with the skill is tampa but man those guys come after you too on a forecheck and they do play a very very heavy heavy game as well as they do with their skill with guys like kucherov point stamkos etc cetera, etc cetera.
2: Yeah, I mean the only other team that's playing really, really well right now that maybe is a little bit more of a hybrid and, and isn't quite the heavy team, but is off to a good start. And I think you, you know you look at goaltending being a big part of it, um, but also being a veteran team is the Rangers. Yeah, at 10, at ten two and one. I mean they got a little bit of a little bit of size, a little
0: bit of heaviness, but they 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 got some skill as well. They do. they are that's a great example, Anthony, of, of having more skill. I think the Devils are in that. Like, until yeah. the Devils proved to me, or the, one of those, like, like Florida last year, they were a heavy team. Yeah. You know, with, with Kachuk, like, they get into the four check. Not all of them are built like that. The Montreal Canadiens are not like that. Toronto right. is not like that. No. Edmonton no. is not. The Ottawa Senators are not. Right. And you have to look at your roster and say, wow, all that skill's really nice, but is it going to get you a win? Is it going to win you a playoff series and help you advance? Right. No, it's not. Hi but Ross.
1: before before we uh transition <laughs> back in here, I want to wish EKT8750 over on YouTube a very happy birthday. Snow the goalie on my birthday. Love it.
0: How about yeah. that? Happy That's birthday. Happy, happy birthday. birthday out there. Happy
1: birthday. Um I I'm at a point now, guys, where I and you know, you, you bring up the playing heavy thing and I don't want to start a war. But it's almost as if the people who Uh, It's still early. We're only an eighth of the way into the season, and things could obviously change. It's almost as if teams that play hockey the way that you expect a hockey team to play, and when they play a style that is probably going to benefit them in the postseason, when they do that and they do it well, it tends to perform better than whatever the new age... Analytical hockey would tell you. Now I'm sure that like it just sent off like fifty people. Well, not our probably not our audience, but it would probably send off a bunch of like uh, anti-analytic antenna in this area, berserk, because we happen to note the fact that like underlying numbers are not the be all end all, top skill on blah blah blah, the the being at the forefront of the trends of blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's just nice to see hockey teams playing hockey the right way. Or the traditional way. It doesn't mean that the league can't evolve, but it certainly means that that old adage of like, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work, it it kind of continues to prove to be true. And in this league, if you are not only hardworking, but also talented, that will win out. Edmonton's soft. Toronto is soft. You can put as many skilled players as you want on some of these teams, but if they don't have the guts and they don't have the heart... They can't win. I actually they only they named can't win three. in this league.
0: I only name three Canadian teams. I just want to clarify that. That's but let actually make it four and throw Calgary in there too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Not Winnipeg. We like Winnipeg. Winnipeg right? and love, Winnipeg love and Vancouver play a ten, tend to play
0: a heavier game. Yes, yes. they do. <laughs> you do. You know, I love this one too. Though this is another one too. When you look at Edmonton, and I love going around like Edmonton is a poorly run organization from the guy who ran one of the best organizations in the last 25 years with Kenny Holland, right? Like in Detroit, yep. the guy was a magician, ran a dynasty. He goes out here, and you think that, you know, you got a McDavid, dry side. Of, you got no fucking goalie. You ain't winning shit. You go pull a guy out of a fucking men's league tomorrow, it'll be the same thing as putting the two guys in they had before. It's frustrating watching a team like that flounder because you want to see talent like that in the in the playoffs.
1: There it is, the Bundy bomb. I just didn't want to interrupt his uh, his point there because I got all off
0: of my course. there. I got t- li- yep. li- literally, literally ticked off watching that. By the literally. way,
1: I I think this is a shirt. Expected goals, expected by whom?
0: That's the worst. That's the worst ad I've ever seen in my life. Like, somebody asked me at the other day, and I'm like, "What? What is that? Oh, if I shoot and hit the net." Is that an expected goal? Because if you took the goalie out of the net, it would go in. So it's expected to be a goal. The dumbest stat I've ever seen is that one. There's nothing that'll ever tell me that somebody's job hunting more than we actually throw a stat like that and see some GM's face. And the GM's like this. Uh-huh, that that makes sense. Let me take that stat on and imply it and implore it into my, our organizational, you know, how we view our team. It's the craziest stat ever, Anthony. Yeah,
2: I mean it's so what it is is it's just it's just the repurposing of what for years and years and years teams monitored as their chances, right? What their their what they viewed as their high opportunity chances, right? And so you sit there and it's it's just a, a mathematical way of calculating those as a, into well they should have scored this many goals because they had this many chances from those you know, higher opportunity areas, higher percentage areas. That's all it is. I mean, it's nothing different. It's just another way of expressing it. Um, but it makes it, it makes, it tries to make them sound smart. But it, like, it, you know, I remember we asked Hitch about this um, a couple of years ago and, and, and he was basically saying this stuff has existed forever. Like we've always had this kind of information. It's just that now it's out there publicly and now you think that, you know, people think that they can analyze it publicly and, and be smarter at the game than, than those of us who are coaching it are. Like, they already had this information. Yes, are there other things that are more in detail now that are easily, more trackable now than they once were, whereas before you were doing it with your eyes on video and now it can be done, you know, uh, t- with technology? Sure. And it makes it easier. Yes, hundred percent. Like I'm, no one is trying to say don't pay attention to analytics because there are things that there is value to it. But you cannot watch a game in any sport, but especially hockey. Especially hockey, yep. you cannot watch a game. Let me introduce a, the I, I introduce a
1: new segment. I want to introduce a new segment to the skull. We're gonna to the to the show. It's gonna be called Over Under Expected Goals. All right. I'm gonna give you guys a name. You're gonna tell me if this guy has scored over or under their expected goals through 12 or 13 games this season. Are you ready? Go ahead. I like this. Go ahead. Huh? Yeah, see it? We're trying to be trendy here, guys. We're being trendy. Austin Matthews. Has he gone over or under his expected goals for the season? W- where's he at right now? How many goals does he have? Well, if I tell you that, it's going to give it away,
2: though. Well, I mean, you've got to give me an idea of where, where the guy is. I mean, fine. you know, I don't have everybody fine. memorized. Fine,
1: fine, fine.
2: He actually has potted...
1: Thirteen goals.
2: I would say he's over. Bundy Ex- expected goals.
0: Thirteen goals. So they probably would have thought he was going to score fifty. Uh, he's over.
1: He is over. His expected goals for the season are nine. He's outperformed by four. Good job, yeah. Austin Matthews. Yeah. Sidney Crosby seven goals on the year. Over or under expected goals? Seven. That's close. I That's would. Over. I
2: would. It's probably. It's probably over because he's more considered of a, a playmaking type. Yeah
1: under he has seven goals he was his expected goals are 7.7 7. Get down, stupid. give me a second uh i want to make sure that i pull this up so that we don't jay. lose this jay we'll get to this question here in a second jay sent over a super chat which by the way you can do here on snow the goalie if you so choose you just go down to the bottom you leave a comment pull it up on the screen jay will get to this as soon as we're done playing the over under game but i don't want you to feel like we forgot about you all right jake gensel five goals over or under under. Under. He is under. He has five goals. Or oh, wait, no. Yeah. Yeah. Under. He has five goals. Expected
2: goals, seven and a half. Yeah, that's about, about that's that? about right. Yeah, that's about I would get that. Brock
1: Besser. Yeah. He has eleven goals. Over. Over. Expected goal, seven point two. Tyler Toffoli has eight goals. Under. I'm going go is- over.
0: He's over oh. what they're expecting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll
1: go sure. over on Toffoli. That is correct. Yeah. He has eight goals. Expected seven. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to the first flyer on the list. Okay. Do you want to guess who the uh, team leader in expected goals is? It's Connect. Konechny.
2: Kone- Konechny. Konechny.
1: He has nine goals. Is that over or under his expected goals total for the year? Over. I'm going to say over, but I think it's only slightly over. Oh, no. It's, it's significantly over. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he has 9 goals. His expected goals on the year 5.9. Mm.
0: 5.9.
1: I'm going to see if I,
2: I wanted to see. So, if so here's I can. here's where I have Here go. It. Here's, Wait, wait, wait. We can, but, but, we can play this a little bit more specific. Go ahead. But, but I, I have, I have it now for all the Flyers now. That's fine, but here's where I have a problem with the stat. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like if you're if you're looking at the Flyers from from a team perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay? Cuz listen, on every even on a bad team, okay? Somebody's got to score. That's yeah. why you know we talk about this in the NBA all the time, right? You know, Russ, when when you have a player on a bad team, oh, he averages twenty one points a game. Well, of Tell course, you, he averages because he's Tell on to break p- and average twenty something points because he's usually one or two options on a bad team. Right? Exactly. So somebody's got to score, right? So you assume when you look at the Flyers and you say, well, somebody's got to be their their leading goal scorer, mm-hmm. and who's the most likely guy? It's Konechny. I mean, Atkinson, okay, probably is close to that, but. It's got to be Konechny. So if he's leading the team with nine through 13 games, yeah, that's probably a slightly ahead of pace. But it's what you would expect, I would think, on a basis. So that's why I have a problem with the actual stat trying to identify, well, that's what his expected goal should be. He's their top goal scorer. He's expected to be the top goal scorer. And he is. Okay, maybe he's a goal ahead. I don't know. I mean, that's, to me, why I have a problem with it. All right, here. I'm going to run down this list now I instead of having us
1: – although people are interacting here, so maybe we keep this going for a couple. Uh, Cam Atkinson, six goals on the year. Is that over or under his expected
2: goals for the season? I'm going to go slightly under. I'm going to say he's uh, probably like six and a half, six point seven 6.7 or something like that.
0: I'm going to go a little bit over because I am going—I don't know if they factor injuries. I'm going to go over.
1: It is over four point eight. It's How about Joel Farabee? Six goals on the year, over under.
0: Uh, um, well, that's over. probably right on it. But you're gonna say over. I'm going to say under. But I bet it's really close.
1: Over two point eight expected.
0: Yeah, I think it's now over.
1: Yeah. I want to flip the script a little bit here, because there's a guy now. If you're looking for if if you pray at the altar of expected goals, if that's your thing, if that's something that's exciting to you, if looking for a silver lining and underlying numbers is. Is your thing. It's your brand. Here you go. I like this, by the way. And we're going to get to this in a second. Rob Greeley. <laughs> Tippett is so under, he has an Australian accent. <laughs> I like a good laugh. That's funny. It's, it's, it's a good one. Um, so we know that connectney leads the team, 5.9. Atkinson was second, 4.8. Owen Tippett, four expected goals on the season. He's potted two. Who's fourth on the team? I'll give it, you a hint. It, it's a so young is guy. So is this expected goals? Expected goals. I, I, I will tell you a hint. It is a young guy.
0: Morgan. Fourth uh, on the team Forster. and
1: expected goals. Forster.
0: Morgan. Bundy, Frost. What did you say? Morgan. You said Frost.
1: Frost. The answer is Forster. 3.2. He's yeah. he has not scored. Uh, and I, I, I did I, see a lot of people asking about Morgan Frost. So just just so we're clear. Morgan Frost, no goals on the season. One point four expected. There you go. Everybody can. Can we get back? You know, I, the only reason yeah, I, the I, want to, I want to get back to like actual hockey talk. I actually, now, but like, have,
0: I actually have some some stuff from coaches about analytics, like in real time, and I can tell you directly what they said. I wrote an article on it. Go back and pull it up because I, I do. And I'll tell you exactly what coaches think of it. There was you an article. No, there was something back here. Just talking about uh, something about analytics. Here it is. Here, I think you had it up.
1: Okay. The Markster 68 analytics are going to kill sports. All these expected goals for and against don't win games. Actual goals win games. If you add chance a team, but the other scores more, guess who wins?
0: Yeah. And for some reason, I don't, I don't get it, but the analytics people don't like those heavier type of teams. They don't like that. Doesn't make work for them because it's, I think, I don't know if it's because it's a bully pulpit. <laughs> sure why but why the big heavier teams are not liked by analytics and none of it kind of tosses a lot of their stats out the window a lot of the time so i'll give you a good example i went to craig baruby and i did an article about uh 2020 i wrote it before the season about analytics thoughts and analytics from three different coaches uh Brenda moore was the other one baruby and rick talkett and um I think the current coach at the time that was here in 2020, was it maybe Vigneault? Or it might have been no, Mike Yao, Mike Yao.
1: It, it might have been Yao.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, long story no, short,
1: Vigno in twenty twenty.
0: Long story short, uh, you know, they all said that, like Hitch said, that these are numbers that we already knew, and somebody came along and like created a job for themselves and said, oh, here, look at these crazy numbers." But what happens is when those no- sheets come down, the coaches will just glare at them and chuck them because they already know what they already know. Like, I don't need someone to tell me that, you know, a Connor McDavid is dangerous in between the hash marks. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. That's just about playing hockey. And I don't need some fucking number on a paper or some, you know, map laying out where a guy like that is with little red dots all over it. That's bullshit. You know, I mean, and, and so coach and coaches know that, that they're getting that stuff brought down to them between periods. And for the most part, it's just a translation of something else that we already know. Yeah. But Someone created it, found a little job for themselves, uh, and, and that, that's, that's fine. But I'm just telling you what coaches think. The other two guys, not as animated maybe as Chief, but certainly uh, two guys that essentially said the same thing. They're, all they do is confirm what we already know. That's the best way of putting it. So they already have an idea of what everybody in the opposition has and what these numbers do in a mathematical sense – prove to them what the coaches and the the people involved in the hockey ops pretty much already know about the other team. But it's more in a numbers game, if that makes any sense. I don't like numbers. I'm an eye test guy. I can't stand it. But if there's something that's really bad where some guy's in his zone way too long, he's not handling the puck, well, I guess I better have a look at that. I would like to see what the body of work is. And that's what's frustrating about analytics for me and for other people who've been around the game a long time it's 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 unnecessary because we already know what we already know.
2: And you should just point out real quick that those three guys uh here in 2023 and I know it's early in the season. All three of them have winning records. Yeah, currently.
0: Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, for sure, Anthony. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like again, there's I'm not saying that you need to be completely one way but you cannot be completely the other. You just can't. You cannot expect to manage hockey, coach hockey, play hockey based on your analytics alone. You can't.
1: There, there are, well, we'll I there. think the, the big yeah. problem is you get people who go I – think, I think at this point people – and this isn't just in hockey. You get people who skew too far one way where it's only the eye test and they don't want to look at numbers. And then you get these other people who skew entirely to the numbers and don't put as much on what they should be able to see with their eyes. And sometimes I question like, are the people who are 95% stat driven, are they capable of analyzing what they're seeing or is it an overreliance on those numbers? Now there are certain stats that I think like give you a decent enough idea, like that you can look and say, all right, like, this is fine. Like if if you want to say like we can quantify what a high danger chance is and you want to compare those numbers, I think that's fine. If you want to look at Corsi and Fenwick because they give you a better, a more holistic idea of shots that are attempted even if they don't get through or aren't on net, I think that's also fine. I think that those stats are fine. It's when I think you start seeing people trying to grasp at straws where they're like, oh, well, you know. There's there's uh, the percentage for there's this for and you start going like, all right, like, that's fine. And like, I'm sure that you could use that to like maybe prop up a narrative or some kind of trend that you think you're seeing. But I don't think you can build an entire team on it. And I don't think that even if you're able to like flip those numbers fully in your favor, that it's going to necessarily mean that you're a top two team in the league contending for a cup.
0: Anthony, one for you. Baseball guy. Mm -hmm. Last two World Series were the managers that won and do you think that they implored an analytical you know complex analytical strategy Uh, no and
2: as a matter of fact you can't it can go further than the last two i mean yes you 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 know houston maybe before you know building in building their team they used a lot of the baseball analytics to to kind of you know get the kind those kinds of players but those games weren't in the playoffs were not managed like a team who, who was being driven by analytical data it just weren't and, then if you go, and, if you go, and if you go and if you go coaching. yeah and if you go back even before them I mean uh, you, you go back to the year that the Nationals won in 2019 yes. they did not the year the Red Sox won in 2018 they did not um so I mean like there are a lot of teams that when it when push comes to shove they they don't necessarily go by that book
0: Look at the coconut guy that they had here, the coconut oil manager they had in Philly. Gabe Kapler. Guy, whatever his, I credit his name right now. Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler. Gonna, Gabe he, Kapler. Did he get fired Gabe yet? Kapler, right. He, he went out did. there. Yes. Now, that guy lives on analytics, yep. right? And when yep. the analytics say to you, oh, it's looking good because we're winning, it spun the other way with almost the same team he had. So he's married yeah. to it, and I'm sorry, I would never, ever, ever – hire a guy like that. If I were an owner or a president of a hockey ops club or, or baseball, whatever it is, never. I agree. I
1: I want to go to something, by the way, that Bundy said before, because I I see it in the comments here. And it's about some of the names that he brought up. He said, he talked to Barubi and he talked to Brindamore. Those are two guys who like, all right, I want to play a game here for a second. I've, we had this last episode, this this last morning after that we did, where we, we talked about the coach and we talked about the timeline and all that. Both Brindamore and Baruby, I would argue, are going to have longer careers from this point forward as a head coach than a John Tortorella, and both have ties to this organization. Do you think that there's ever a scenario where the Flyers, like down the line, that you could see a Craig Baruby who like already coached here, or a Rod Brindamore, who... Like, could, could you see a scenario where one of those guys is like intrigued by the idea of coming back to Philadelphia and being a coach of this team? Like if, and when they're ready to flip that switch to be a playoff contender,
0: well, but for sure, because he's got a home here, Yeah, you know, he went on and won and he's, you know, he's a flyer legend. He's also Jones's best friend. Ultimately people, I don't, people know that or not, but yeah, they're very, very close. Now I'm not saying that he's going to change tomorrow, but he's got, a, obviously he has a contract with another team and, but do I see that happening? Yeah. Well, I mean, is Ford yeah. going to be here for eight years? I doubt it, unless he's winning one cup after another. But, I, you know, it, uh, the time frame doesn't add up, really. Yeah. And by the time they build a little – and also, you know, I know Danny Breer. He loves Baruby, Loves yeah.
2: Him. yeah. Yeah. A lot of people do. I mean, yeah. let's keep in mind that, you know, Armstrong, uh, Doug Armstrong, GM of the Blues, loves Craig Baruby. I mean, even, even now, four years after they've won the Stanley Cup – yeah, I mean, big, big fan. Or five years, I guess, after they won the Stanley Cup, he's a still a big fan of Baruby. So, um, fun little think, thought experiment. Just yeah, but it, it, it is. It cert- it certainly is. We should probably answer that question I, from the I super chat. I wanted to chat. get to this now. Yeah. So,
1: so Jay Grebby sent over a super chat. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Um, says Friedman said on thirty two thoughts today. Edmonton was very
2: close Wednesday on a massive goalie trade. Any chance the Flyers were involved? I, I can't imagine that they were, unless Edmonton is so incredibly desperate t- to get a goalie that they are willing to gamble without the result of the Team Canada thing coming out yet. Mm. I, I think that there are. I think that there will be teams lining up around the block for Carter Hart if he's if that report comes out and he's not part of it. But I do think that they have to wait and see and i think that that's so no i can't imagine that it was the flyers
0: again i'm just gonna now i'm actually preaching the other side uh, of this ridiculous thing because they won't put anything out it's been it's been the most ridiculous thing i've seen the nhl do they were they were previewing that they might put stuff out months ago now they won't even put anything out so i'll tell you what people should shut their mouths about it from wherever they are until, until there's legal stuff that's done and 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 after that you have at it but I'll tell you what. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anybody get suspended. And until there's legal action, I, I think the players should stick to their guns on this. Now, I'm not. I'm not defending yeah, no. anybody. But there's a whole layer of weird shit that's gone on with this, and I'm so sick of teasing it every week that it's news. If they did something anybody- wrong, they should be held accountable for it. And if they if they didn't, then they shouldn't be threatened by the league to sit out games.
2: I, I'm popping this one up from Evan. This is this Team Canada thing can't be relevant at this point. Right. It absolutely is relevant, but it absolutely is from a management perspective. Okay, I get it, and Bundy, I agree with you because I think the league has really, really butchered this and screwed Correct. it up. The
0: league has messed it up, yes. It's
2: beyond belief, Yes, but that doesn't mean that there are 32 GMs out there who are knowing what the league has not put out publicly um, and they're going to sit there and say, well, I, just because the league is screwing this up, you know, I, I'm going to say, ah, screw it. And I'm going to give up four top prospects or draft pick and two players, whatever, and go get a guy who potentially could be in trouble within the next year. Right. And who Like, I don't think teams are doing it. So I think that there are players who are just unmovable because that still hangs over their head as a possibility. And so that's why it is relevant. That's why yeah. it remains relevant whoever's involved, not involved, that's for down the road, right? That's for, you know, you can't really talk about it until something happens. And, you know, that's why we're where we are. But that doesn't mean behind the scenes when these guys are talking to each other about potential trades or whatever, that it absolutely has to be brought up in conversation like yeah. everybody knows like it's it's not like it's, it's it's not like there's you know only some people know and then the other GMs don't know like they all know it's it's such an it's such a small circle everybody knows who's involved who may be involved and may not be involved and so therefore you're going to make a decision on whether or not to trade for that player you got to be willing to accept the the ramifications if that thing comes out and that player is involved so that's why it's that's why it's there this is there is collaboration
0: a collaboration between a the fair... league and the police? Like, I, I don't understand really what's going on because to me, it, it's so bizarre. So what I'm saying is, and we talked about this three months ago, if you're not going to make a case on a guy, then he shouldn't be threatened with his career. Now, if he did something yeah. wrong, he needs to be held accountable for that. But what I'm saying is we've seen nothing come from law enforcement that suggests there's going to be something coming out about it. It looks like they've actually done more of a job trying to conceal it and hide it. Then they have been trying to be transparent about the whole thing.
2: Yeah, and, and um, just to pop this up real quick, I'm just you know here Oops, we go. Sorry, um, go oh, ahead. there you go. Um, yeah, uh, Andy Strickland said he knew the names that were involved. So, what wouldn't the GMs already know? Yes. And here's the thing: like we've all heard names, right. we've all heard multiple names. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's accurate. And so we can't we can't report it. Because we don't have – look, down here in Philadelphia, I don't have access to the London, Ontario police. I don't have sources in the London, Ontario police department who can tell me with 100% certainty that players X, Y, and Z are involved and players A, B, and C are not. So, therefore, we could hear names and hear rumors, but this is too – you know, slippery a slope to even venture down. Here's what I'm hearing, kind of stuff on a public in a public forum. You can't, you can't put the run the risk of that. Just cannot happen. Um, and one other one I wanted to pull up from David Castleman, You know, Victor Matey was on that team, who was on the Flyers. I should point out the one thing about Victor Matey and the reason why you never hear his name tied to this is he was not even in. Um, london at the time of the alleged incident he was on a family vacation in jamaica um so Got it wasn't even wasn't even there and that's been corroborated and proven so like that's why his name never comes up
1: i still think it. that this is just a big case of hashtag lawyers like anthony de says the nhlpa yeah. has to be putting pressure on the league i think that's it like i, I think that's the biggest part here and that's, that's and correct right i there. feel like so much of this is like Maybe there was a chance that in the summer the league was like, yes, we we would like to just put this out, like we would like to put out our discipline based on what has been presented to us, and they might legitimately now be in a spot where the NHLPA is saying like, no, you're not going to announce anything until the London Ontario police do, like they are now tied. There's okay. no, and and like that's entirely possible because like, all right, let's let's play. <laughs> I want to be done with this topic in like 45 seconds. Let's play this out. Where oh, I,
0: th- I thought you were laughing at Eddie Revox. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm laughing at Eddie Revox. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, let's play this one out for a second. That, like, I love some of these the, comments The, the NHL takes what um, what information has been provided to them by the police, and they say, All right, "We're suspending or we're banning," because like not everybody's an NHL player. We're gonna ban these three guys, and we're gonna suspend this NHL player, and like this X Y Z. And you're gonna have to go through the whole process. That what was the what was the kid's name that Boston drafted? That was like an awful human being as a as a kid, oh, I high school player, whatever his name was. Where did he play? Uh, Wasn't it like No, Mitch the kid that something? Boston tried to was sign. Was it Mitchell Miller? Oh, yeah, no? yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like say that they're like there's a reinstatement process, blah, 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 and they put it out. It becomes big news and like it's the whole thing, right? And then it comes out that the London, Ontario police, they <laughs> like three months from now put out their report and two of the guys that the league suspended – or said they were going to suspend, are ultimately cleared. That, like, new evidence came to, to the forefront in the past three months, and actually two of those guys are fine. That's a huge lawsuit. That's an NHLPA lawsuit. That's a lawsuit by those players. Like, it becomes a huge mess. I feel like it's all just tied together now. And it sucks because uh, anybody who was involved in it should be banned. And probably if they are eventually allowed to apply for reinstatement, they can cross that bridge. But, like, nobody should be playing. And if it turns out – and this is where it gets especially ugly – if it turns out that any player this season plays at the NHL level and the league has known from their discussions with the London, Ontario police that this one player or two players or ten or however many make it to the NHL this year and play a game, if the league has known that and the NHLPA has known those names and those guys take the ice this season, knowing that like at any point this report could drop, that's a disgrace – that's horrific. And it's going to be, be a black mark on the league. It's going to be like, ultimately, it'll get glossed over because the NFL is going on. The NBA gets more attention. But it will be a black eye on the As,
2: as if the NHL doesn't have enough black eyes already.
1: Yeah, but this one's pretty bad.
2: Like This, this one's like pretty bad. No, it is. So, I,
1: mean, I mean, like the Chicago
2: Blackhawks situation. Black
1: yeah, let's, let's talk about that really quick while we're on like shitty news here. So yeah. another former hockey player from, uh, from the Blackhawks organization has now alleged in a lawsuit that the team's former video coach sexually assaulted him during the 2009-2010 season, and the Blackhawks didn't respond to it adequately because they were in the midst of a Stanley Cup run. Now, we pointed out the hypocrisy on the press row show the other day that the Ottawa Senators were, <laughs> were penalized a first-round pick because they didn't provide a name of uh, of uh, what was it? It was the team list, in, as part of a, a deal a couple years ago, that cost a first round pick. The Blackhawks, for the last allegation, paid two million dollars, no hockey penalty, and now another player has made c- serious allegations. What are they going to do this time? Is it going to be another million dollars? Are they? Are they, they? They certainly wouldn't now. Now that Chicago has Bedard, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Penalize him a draft pick now? Would they? Like, where's where this going to go, Ant? Like, if this ends up becoming the thing that it probably should become, then what?
2: It's a joke. The league is is poorly run. I mean, yeah. there's no other there's no other way around it. They've had a bad commissioner for a very very long time, who only worries about his own public relations thing, uh, and and does anything he can to help small market. Owners who keep him in the position that he's in, because there's enough of them that give him that keep him competitive, that keep him get getting compensated for that job um, that he should not have at this point. He's a yeah. terrible, terrible commissioner. You know, and I, it's you know, you, league suffer, suffers because of it.
0: You know what else? Too, I'm going to tell you something. I came in this league in 1994. What other league has lost two plus years because of of work stoppages for labor disputes? That is incompetence at the highest level. And he actually locked this league out for a year. I actually commend the fans that came back. That was a miracle. It really was. Yeah. And it's the most m- misrun league from a standpoint. It doesn't even agree with the eye test. Like people yeah. look at it and go, oh, my God, how bad is that? That that's the way they do, th- do their business. Really bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. Yeah. But, hey, you know what, guys? Let's put a couple more expansion teams in this baby. That's go back right. to Atlanta let's, for a third
1: time. Let's give more opportunities to uh, AHL players. 46 I love it.
0: more American league jobs. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Let's try to get back to the flyers here for
1: a second. So they they're out West. Um, I know that we want to get to how we think things are going to play out. They they play. We're recording this on Friday. So obviously they're in action tonight. They're in action again on Saturday um, before we get to those games. I want to take a look back at these 13 games that they've played so far, and I want to try to see if we can come to some form of consensus about the three standout players. It doesn't have to be breakout. I wanted to be careful about that. Three standout guys, three guys that have looked the best of the bunch, and three guys who, through 13 games, are disappointing relative to where we expected them to be at the beginning of the season. And I, I obviously want to get from the people who are watching on YouTube and on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Feel free to drop yours uh, in the comment section below. Let's start. Do we want to start negative or positive? Do we want to start with the disappointments or do we want to start with the positive?
2: Start, start, with, the dis- start with the disappointments yeah. only because we're, only because we've, we're in the negative. We've been talking mm. about negative stuff. So we can, we we slug can slug slowly right wor- bring our way
1: back up. We're from the the, from swamp. where we were. We're going right. to drain the swamp. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Let's think negative for a second. Which players have stood out as being a disappointment? Can I start? Yes. Cam York has been a
2: disappointment. Yes, he has. That's one. Oh, you're, you're gonna you're not gonna say anything do about we, it, you're just gonna Do an analysis? Just say okay. his name, yes.
1: Yeah, so Cam York has been a disappointment, although I think that a big part of it is because too much he has been forced into a role that he was not meant to fill this year. The Rasmus wrist alignment injuries had a significant impact. Despite how much fans seem to hate the guy uh, through a short run as a flyer. The Mark Stahl injury has also hurt their ability to be flexible and to, to to put him with another veteran player who could maybe steady his game and help rebuild his confidence. And as we've talked about on Press Row Show and The Morning After, like there's not a better place necessarily for York to go to stabilize his game, but it doesn't change the fact that like control your controllables. He's trying to let the game come to him instead of grabbing the game by the throat. And it could be the Cali style. It could be the the, you know the Cali boy thing.
0: It's figuring. At some point you have
1: to you have to control what you can control.
0: It's trying to. He he doesn't know yet when to go and when not to go, so he's just playing it safe and waiting for everything to come to him. Mm -hmm. But you have to know when there's an opportunity to take more of of the bulls by the horn, and he's yet to figure that out. That's a coaching thing. The coaches need to help him out more.
2: And give give us uh, one of your. Uh, You want me to go mine, or did you want to go Bundy second?
0: Are we going? So I'm sorry. Are we going each? the this your disappointment is York. Yeah. Russ, so well, for you, right yeah, now, yeah, like I want yeah, three. Andy. I want to
1: see if I want to see if we get consensus or not. So, so he wants. To, we so want to get give, three. Give me, yeah. So Bunny, Give me one of your disappointments, and we'll see if if we come up with a similar list. Among you know, the three
0: what, I'm going to throw one right out there because everybody else has been making. I'm going to say Noah Cates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: No, I and I agree, I, and I that was the reason why I wanted you to go first, Bundy, because I didn't think you were going to go Noah Cates, um, but I I, I think that, a
0: lot of rope. I, no one talks about him, you know.
2: Yeah, and I think that I think it's more of what the the disappointment there. I think is that the expectations were greater based off the season he had last year. He was playing in a top line center role. And did a pretty valiant, gave a pretty valiant effort in that role um, for a bad team. So much so that he received votes for Selkie. And not just like one or two. Like, he got a bunch. Like, he got, I mean, you know, not enough to really make everybody take notice. But he got some votes for the Selkie. That's, that's, that's what analytics. kind of Yeah, analytics. Yeah, right, okay. And so, like, to me, like I said, all right. Are we probably overvaluing what Noah Cates is a little bit? Sure, but I anticipated that even though I thought there would be a step back toward reality this season, I I kind of think like he's just not even noticeable right now. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think he's been poor per se. But he's not really been noticeable as far as playing the game the way you need him to play. And so, therefore, I think that that's what's disappointing because it feels like a sophomore slump for him.
0: He may be the twin flame of York on forward. That's the way I see it. He's the exact same. He's the forward version of the defenseman York right now. And the reason I said him was because he skated by. If you're going to be the coach's pet and get a lot of the opportunities, then you better deliver too, right? Because there's other guys that have been tossed under the bus. Morgan Frost is the guy we're talking about. I can't say Morgan Frost. He hasn't played. Like, he's hardly right. played. So, you know, I'm looking at guys. second, oh, Go ahead, Anthony. You're third. You go now,
2: so the third one I'm going to go with, it, it, and this is maybe a little bit harsh, but I'm going to go with Tyson Forster. And I'm going to go Forster because his primary responsibility on the on the ice is to be a guy who scores scores goals. I mean that's what it's that's his job. He's looked at as a power forward who's supposed to go out there and 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 get you get you know get you goals. I'm not saying that a guy needed to be leading the team in goals right now, but he needed to, he's need to have scored at least one. <laughs> right? And he doesn't have any. And so like to me that's that's a disappointment. You he, he he burst onto the scene last year with those in those 7 games and you looked at this kid and you were like, "Oh, okay." This could be this could be a future you know, for, you know top line or second line at at you know at worst scoring winger, and he's out there and you see him trying and I'm not trying to make it seem like he's lazy or anything like that. It's not what I'm saying at all. But you, if you have a knack for scoring, you have a knack for scoring. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to hit your droughts. I get it, but th- you know, 13 games without a goal and he's getting shots like that tells me that there's something not not right with the shot not right with the with the you know the ability to put it past nhl caliber goalies he's had that goal scoring touch at the minor league level and the junior level obviously right we know all this but at the nhl level it's just not there yet I, i'd like to see it I, and i'm not saying it can't come i'm not saying that he's a bust or anything like that he's just been a little bit disappointing to me to this point
0: that's yeah fair. Yeah, I, no, I I agree. I mean, he can't hasn't been able to score. He's shown a complete inability to be able to provide offense at this level. To be honest with you, and that's just honest. It's not mean, unfair, yeah. and and there's he's not alone. I mean, look at the numbers, I mean, there's a lot of other guys we didn't mention them. Second no, place I, would be Owen Tippett. Owen know, Tippett
2: I mean, is on, Owen Tippett's on my list as well. I yeah, mean, I, I mean, you said three, but I I I could go five or six deep with this. Um, sure. Owen Tippett for sure. I think he's been very inconsistent. Right, I think he's been really. I think he's had a few good, really good games, and I think he's had a few games where he's had some some nice plays, and then ten seconds later is making a mistake, and it's like, well, what the heck, man? Like that's that you can't do that. You got to be better than that. Um, So yeah, I think I think Owen Tippett's uh, a guy. I'll be honest, I think Scotty Lawton, as much as I like him as a guy, and I I, I think he's had. Yeah, he's been a little bit disappointing, and I gotta got the think. second
1: most points on the team, which I think is the hard part here. Yeah, uh, you know, if, if you're looking counting at, at at counting stats as being the be all end all, then and, he doesn't belong here. But he's not been impactful. He has uh, he has been put in positions where he has to kind of jostle around the lineup a bit to try to like you know with the ebb and flows of which young guys are coming in and out. But okay.
2: There's, there's some real value to Scott Lawton on on this roster, obviously, as a leader in the, in the locker room and, you know, and this flexibility on the ice and, and all that. And I I agree a thousand percent with it. But I also know that there was an opportunity to move him this summer and, and Torts was like really against it. Like, you know, I know that management could have done this. They could have moved him. And, and Torts was really fought hard to keep Lawton. And so they ended up keeping him. And I wonder if you're now 13 games in. You know, you're looking at the way Lawton's playing and where he's at, and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, we missed an opportunity to cash in there," because I think they could have. That's pretty clear. They could have have cashed in on it. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Well, you have to look at what a guys making and where he's slotted in, right? Like I, yeah. yeah, They had a first round pick coming back for Lawton too, by the way. Yeah,
2: yeah. And what's and that's and that's the thing. And let me throw one other thing at you. You know, the thing that's one of the things that's killing the Flyers. Is how they how they are in the face-off circle. They're losing a ton of Mm -hmm. of draws. Couturier is okay. He's like just around fifty percent. So you know he's usually better than that. And I'll give him a little bit of a pass because you know again he's coming back after two years. You got to just get that timing of of it back and you have the physicality of it back. But you know a guy like Lawton should be better in the in the face-off circle and he's not. You know and other guys as well. I'm not just saying it's just him, but. You know, that's part of his game. It's part of what makes him a good player. And it's just, you know, again, I'm not, I, I'm just mildly disappointed there. I'm not, but I, I also don't think he's been a net positive. for. Well, that let's or, talk about, they, let's you know. talk about
1: that really quick. By the way, I want to correct the record here. I think I said that Lawton was second in the team in points. He's second in assists. Yeah. He's fifth overall in points. Yeah. Um, face-off percentage. Now I don't have the raw numbers. I don't. I don't have the raw numbers in front of me. I just have percentages. Uh, yeah. Garnet Hathaway, hundred percent face off think, no, face off win pull,
2: percentage. I could pull up, but he's
0: not really. Paling, sure. I have face offs here, guys. Okay. fifty percent. Yeah. Forty-six point six for Lawton is what I'm seeing. For, yep, Forty-nine point
2: yep. three for Couturier. Yep. Yeah, that's a little. That's, a, that's even low for Couturier.
0: Forty-five point eight for Cates. Yep. Yeah, it's not Frost, good. Frost, although not
1: in the lineup consistently, thirty eight point two percent.
0: That's not near good enough. No. No. You need to be so, around fifty percent. That's excellent.
2: So you're the best play the best faceoff guys in the league are sixty are sixty. Okay. Yes. The best. That's right? outstanding, yes. Yes. And then you like so if you're like in that fifty-five percent range, you're really good and in the pa- in the past I mean that's usually where Coots is so like I said he's a little low but even if you're 49.9 or 49.5 whatever he is at least that's close to 50-50 which is you know mm-hmm. all right fine that's that's okay he could be better but could, but that's like okay. everyone else is far below and that's not good and that's yeah. the problem that I have and I, it's look it's part of the reason why they're they're chasing the game a little bit know, and they're constantly forced to try and get a puck back and forecheck the, like, like the devil, right? Because that's, they're not starting with the puck often enough. That's part of the problem. All right. I have one last disappointment before we switch this positive. Yeah.
1: My number one disappointment through 13 games is John Tortorella. Ooh, I like it. Because all of this or a lot of this is predicated on the fact that the man who won a Stanley Cup 20 years ago apparently has enough sway within the organization to prevent or to at least fight hard enough to not trade a Scott Lawton for a potential first-round pick, to have a significant hand in building this roster, and ultimately in deciding the lineups that could in some way, shape, or form impact trade value and the development. It's not a, it is not under any circumstances a surprise that so many of these young players are struggling or are guys that were sitting back and saying, we need more out of these guys because as we talked about on the morning after the other day, and I will stand resolute in this belief, John Tortorella is not a guy who gets, who like bleeds the stone. I don't think that he's the guy who's able to develop young players into star players. And I'm not sure, to be fair, I I'm not still, sure how many of still these young guys disagree, still have disagree the with you star potential. So I, I, still, I want to be clear. I don't I, think that I, like, they're sitting on you know a Sidney Crosby on this team that just hasn't been figured out yet. Okay, But I don't, I don't see John Tortorella being that guy. And at some point, someone within the coaching staff has to get enough of these young guys back on the right path. We talked on the last Press Row show about how there is a troubling regression setting in with some of these guys, or at best a plateauing. They started really well. The Bobby Brinks of the world started really well, but they've kind of plateaued. I need a veteran coaching staff to get those guys jump-started again and to send them on the right path. And if they can't, then I question what we're doing here because, again— Despite Ant shaking his head and having, you're, the, you're, ability you're so and having far the ability and having the to look at a hockey so reference far. page after four minutes the other day and citing four players who are mid-ish, mid-upper Dude, players, I, and
2: I even forgot it's Ryan not, McDonough, who's a, a was a dominant defenseman. Right, I forgot. One. I even forgot to mention there him too. Derek okay. Stepan, who had a really good season, a couple seasons for goes. the Rangers back then too. There were five, five, six guys on that team. that I mean, were good players. Where, Good they player. were all kids when he was the coach. Good players. And then they, went, they got better and went to the Stanley Cup final mm-hmm. eventually. I mean, like, he, they developed under torts.
1: Didn't develop into star players. Didn't develop into guys that they built the team around for the next five or six Dude, years. Dude, oh, the,
2: the coach can only take
1: what the player is. That's why I said I don't think they're sitting on the, a Crosby right now. But Right, I so what so do, so do, do you, want him to, to be, do you want him to be, turn these guys into? Who
2: do you want him to turn them into?
1: It's fair to... To question if all of these guys are plateauing at the same time, can we can we figure out a way? Perhaps I don't fucking know, Anthony. Maybe on the power play that sucks, that absolutely is a fucking embarrassment. They have zero skill. Can we perhaps install a system or put the personnel in the pers- in the correct position to be successful? That so we can jumpstart some of these young guys. or and, are we just get, are we going to spend the whole season with the power play being dog shit and then sit back and say, well they weren't skilled enough? We'll fucking figure it out. Torts, figure, no, out guys, figure it guys out. Do, if you the guys can't just do you figure it out. You can't just figure it out.
2: Change the personnel. If they had if talented Morgan players, net, if they, they had talented and, players, it no sense to put no, 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 no. This is where you're wrong. If they had talented players and the power play sucked, then you could put it on the coaching staff and say, guys, you got to figure this out. But if you don't have anybody who can score on a power play, it doesn't matter what they tell them to do. It doesn't matter if they put freaking blindfolds on the opposition and get away with it. They're still not going to score. They
1: can't Put the puck on the net and get a greasy goal. And if you don't, you lose your power play time. Don't get complacent. Execute the game plan. You can't, at the end of a game, you can't just go, well, you know, we keep telling the guys what to do, but they don't do it. Then change the guys. Change the personnel. Put the guys (laughs) in who are actually going to follow the plan. I don't care. Like, it's not that hard. Okay. This isn't that hard. Go
0: ahead, do you buddy. know that McDonough? Do you know that the Montreal Canadiens traded Ryan McDonough for Scott Gomez? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. Right.
0: <laughs> Remember that. Now that's funny. Gomez. No disrespect. Yeah, I had a, was a good player, a good devil, one cups. But man, when they paid him in New York, he was so done. And then Montreal decided they're going to be really brilliant and trade their first round defenseman. Mid teens, I think he went, but still, McDonough was was a really good player. But th- the one thing that did happen is Tampa Bay. When those players ended up going there, like they had, uh, they had those guys end up going right, like uh, McDonough and there's other players that joined, him. but Tampa Bay already had a good fray of players that that, that they joined. Um, but you know what? Again, I uh, there is there is part of it. Torts has had a knack, and I am not saying that this is this group for making life very difficult on certain young guys. That's been, I mean, it's on paper. It's all over the league for years. But um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case here. I mean, you know, he took Pierre-Luc Dubois and it ticked him right off. They traded him to Winnipeg and then they got Linea back. I don't. How's Linea even doing? I, I He's like the guy that just disappeared. 50 goals look like the future and it's like the wheels came off him. And, and uh, uh, you know, he, he spent some time um, well, in Columbus. But what I'm saying is, is that I don't think that's the case right now, Russ, with this team because I just don't think they have enough depth. So for, for torts or those kind of players like Anthony's saying. So I agree with a little bit of both of you, and I'm not saying either one of you is wrong. There's certainly a case you could make. Bundy hedging. Under- hedging? But I'm I not hedging. I'm st- st- being honest. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't love the way some of the young guys have come about over the years with torts. But at the same time, this is not the team to be talking like we don't have a Ryan McDonough here. You know, we don't have that kind of player that's been developed and then gets shipped off to Tampa where he wins cups, you know, a a deadline type of player. So there's there's right in both of you. But, Russ, you're wrong in terms of how they're looking at this team. And I'm going to be honest with you. Anthony said it three weeks ago when this team started torts' teams have a knack of having good starts because they're really physically conditioned well. Yeah, and we, yeah. other teams, like we said, when the ten game mark goes, it's over. Everybody kind of falls into place a little bit, and, and it's game on. And yeah. so that's why I'm saying you're both kind of right. I'm not disagreeing with you, Russ. I'm disagreeing with you about where you're at with your thoughts on this particular team. And I understand Anthony, you know, battling you on it. Thanks for that. I enjoyed that very much.
1: <laughs> there go. See that? That's good stuff. It's I'm all gonna... love. Like we're we like, I think. Uh, there was a there was a thing in the last episode that we did that like somebody was very upset that I talked over Aunt. It's like we've been doing this for five years, five and a five half year. years. I'm used to it. Ant's like, you know, I'm used to it. Ant gets Aunt gets a whole side of me out that I I don't like. But <laughs> here we are, you know. Um, like look at this. We have people telling us to drop the gloves. That'll end fast.
2: <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be a quick. Russ, Russ couldn't run. reach. I just I'd be yeah, like be a, like that. It'd be like when you have that little kid trying to hit you and you put your hand out and hold them. Hold his head I'll and he's swinging and the swinging can't reach you. the the ultimate <laughs> uh, The ultimate no win for both of us is for us to
1: like try to run a mile. Either your COVID lungs would kill you or my Dude. asthma would. But either no, way, I'm,
0: either run, win. Run the I mile. Was gonna, I was going to tell you, need you to, to do is call. ask me to walk it. <laughs> I got a call from production company and yeah. out in uh, in the Westchester area, and they actually said they would like Russ to star in the Danilo Cavalcante movie <laughs> as as Cavalcante. There you we're go, gonna, and the movie's going to finish with you with the Eagles jersey on. That's right. Let's go, Andrews.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, look. So we we had that. I do. I, I will be honest, though. I do think that. I I do think, and it, it's not to be shock jockish. It's not to have a hot take for a hot take. I do think that if we get to a point where we're twenty games in instead of thirteen, and we're still talking about the same young guys plateauing or regressing. I think that the. I'm not saying that they're going to make a change. I'm not saying that there's going to be a hot seat, but I do think that it might become more of a thing where you go like, "All right, this is a little bit concerning that so many of the young guys aren't producing or aren't getting closer
2: to producing." That to me is a concern. We'll see. I would be wrong. Yes, but I, I I agree that there is a concern, but the concern is not that the coach can't coach them up. The concern is that the players just might not be what you thought they were going to be. That's the concern, and it has nothing—it has nothing I, to do with I the don't coach. Have, yeah, I
1: mean, I don't have sky high expectations about what these guys are. Like, I don't want that to be misconstrued. Like I've said so, a few times, I don't think that there's a Sidney Crosby that like is is on this roster and they just haven't tapped in the, in the potential. Yeah, there's not. I don't. I don't. Right. Like, I, if if I've been unclear about that, I'm not looking at any of the young players on the roster right now and saying like. Cam York is going to be a number one defenseman, or saying Noah Cates is going to be the heir apparent to Sean Couturier. Like, that ain't it. I'm not saying Bobby Brink is going to, like, become a 40 goal scorer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I would like to see some of these young guys take that next step because that gives you Everybody an would. idea that, like, that this rebuild that you're doing doesn't have to be five years. It can be closer to three when you get a Gautier in and when you get a Mishkov in. And then all of a sudden, it does feel like there's something that you can build towards. So, Jay also wants us to set up the next Ice Wars, uh, versus Ant. So, there we'll get go. Bundy on that. Um, I, on I,
2: I know we're an hour in here and we want to wrap up pretty soon, but I just want there's two quick things that we, I wanted to get to. Did
1: we do positives yet? We didn't do positives. Let's do our positives. Oh, shit. Ant. We'd have to yeah. do positives. We're yeah, do we
2: do positives.
0: And then we'll tough, get to we Ant's two thing things. Really quick, too.
1: Yeah. yeah. So let's do right. positives. Um, I I think that I'll give you I'll give you my three. Carter oh, Hart's so you, had, you get to take all three? Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying I'll give you three. Like we, if, unless you really want to do the detailed breakdown, we can no, see no, how close fine. we are in these. Go ahead. All right. I think Carter Hart's had a really nice season for yep. the most part. Um, and I've been as critical of him as any player on this team in the last few years, especially the home road splits. I think Carter Hart's looked really good. Um, And I do think that there's a logical reason why, despite him being quite good, it could make sense to try to sell high on him when you can and and really help get some assets for the rebuild. Um, And the other two guys are feel-good stories who also have produced. Sean Couturier, he doesn't look like he's 100%, but he's played really well. You've seen flashes. You've seen him put games together where he's been able to shut down, um, you know, a, a, a Connor McDavid. And the other guy's Cam Atkinson who is making really smart heads-up plays, good veteran moves, um, and and I think sets a really good example in that locker room for a lot of these younger guys. And I think on a human level, you have to feel really good for those guys after missing out on a season or two seasons, um, that they both come back and, and that they're playing meaningful hockey. That has to be such a mental relief for them to be able to come back from those injuries and to find success and tangible success that you can you can actually measure. So those are my three. Ant?
2: Um, I'm good with, I'm good with all three of them. I'll give you a few more. Um, I'll go Travis Konechny and and not just because he's got nine goals. I I look at Travis Konechny and I see a, a, a leadership type guy forming, whereas I didn't necessarily think that that would ever come to fruition before. I think he's a guy, you want to talk about a guy who has taken a step under torts as far as the right, having the right character and the right approach I think he's a guy that is has done that. Um, obviously, Bobby Bobby Brink has been a very nice start, uh, and it's because it's been unexpected. I think, um, mm-hmm. and so that you know, I'll put him into a into okay. that positive side because I wasn't expecting it, um, and and here it is, and he's he's been decent. And I'll I'll put three guys into one, and I'll say the PhD line, um, the fourth line wow. for this team oh, has been legal, okay. has been really good. It's been really good for what a fourth line is supposed to be. Okay, they they are. They're, you're not just rolling out this fourth line to say, "Hey, we need to get these guys twelve minutes." These guys are actually contributing, um, and it's not just with counting stats or anything like that. It's it's the way that they they can turn the tide of a game with energy and with momentum, and they constantly get put out there at times when when it feels like the team needs that lift. And, and they do a nice job, and, and I really like the way that they work together and play together. I think those were some under-the-radar moves this offseason to bring in a Hathaway and to bring in a Paling um, to really kind of be glue guys on a roster, um, knowing the team wasn't going to be much of anything and these guys embracing that role and, and playing it well. And so I give them a lot of credit. And one thing before I throw it to Bundy – I. I know a lot of people want to look at Sandheim and and say, well, how can you guys go through the first two guys here and not mention Travis Sandheim?
1: Well, let's see if Bundy does. Uh, Let's see if Bundy
2: does. Yeah. 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 So go
0: go ahead. Let's go to Bundy, and then we'll come back
1: to Sandheim unless he's not mentioned. You
0: know what, guys? He's playing more than he should be, but I'm going with Sandheim. That's my number one guy. I mean, it's not easy. I've been a defenseman back there. He's got guys top lines coming at him every single night. He's still learning on the fly in a lot of ways. He's playing with a rookie that's done not a whole lot to help him. Um yeah, I'm going Sandheim. I know it's not been perfect every game, and he's a guy that has to trend upwards and stay there. When some things go wrong for him, his game slips down. So I think part of the learning curve for him is I and I know I've been there is to to let those mistakes go and just to move on from them and continue playing. Uh the other I'm gonna go to just two more guys that I've really just off the top of my head really been good. Atkinson has been another guy's provided good goal scoring. And you know what a guy that we, we looked at that needed to have a good start and he had is fairby Sarebis had a very good start so far. You know, six goals, and he was a guy that really, uh, I thought, needed a lot more to have a good year. Like he was in the doghouse last year, dealing with that injury. Torts kind of maybe laid it on there but said there was more. He's had a good start. So those three guys, you know what? I'd like to see where we are at, uh, you know, the next 13 games. But I think Sandheim's done a pretty good job uh, for this. Yeah, take, the, all considered. Yep.
2: yeah, and the reason what I was going to say about him is, is that I only didn't want to include him. Because he's being expected to play a role that I ultimately don't think he can play.
0: Yes, I, I agree. I,
2: you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's yep. that's what it is. So it's not that I agree with everything you said. He's he's been better this year. He does have his moments where he doesn't look right. Um, and, and I I just don't. I just wish that he wasn't being put into that position because I think that he would look even better if he was where he's supposed to be slotted.
0: Yeah, and, and but kudos to him. Because he is playing those minutes and he doesn't yeah. have he doesn't have a risto. Now am I, is Risto capable of covering those lines too? No. But it would certainly be an upgrade, uh you know, over having a rookie that's just waiting for the play to come to him. Right. Good job by him. Yeah, he's had a good start. I'd like to see his development continue.
2: Yeah. Was um, that two or three? No, he did three. three. He mentioned Atkinson as well. Okay. And Faraby.
1: There's there's one guy here I think who maybe is an honorable mention. If we can do that before we get yeah. to answer two things. Yeah. Sean Walker. <laughs> Sean Walker's played the, the third most minutes on the team. Stop laughing at the comment on the screen and pay attention.
0: I think I, I didn't, say this I didn't quick. put it up. I think, <laughs> <I> think <laughs> any Munster would kick the living fuck right out of you. I do. Out of me? Yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. You're probably right. Um. But no,
1: like I think, I think Sean Walker, he's played the third most minutes on the team. He's a guy that I think everybody had little to no expectations for this season. He's been thrust into a role, again, because there, because there were injuries to stall and to Ristolainen. And for the most part, I think he's been steady. We almost never talk about him. And as Bundy has pointed out a million times, for a defenseman, especially not like the top defenseman, for him to never come up means that he's not doing anything incredibly well, but he's not doing anything incredibly horrible. So I'd say that he, he's had like a nice
2: a nice start to the year. He he's this year's Nick Sealer, in a yeah. lot of ways, right? Like guy you didn't expect anything from, who's actually giving you a little bit of something. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. So the two things I wanted to get to real quick. So we mentioned it, Bundy, and it actually was the title of the episode. If you uh, before you if you were with us from the beginning, um, you know the team's out on this West Coast trip. And it's actually been. Torts has actually given them a very light schedule away from the games, um, given them some free time to to just spend time together. I know a lot of guys went golfing out in L.A. Um, this was yesterday or the day before. I forget which. It was Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and then now they're after this, uh, these two games tonight and tomorrow, they're immediately flying to Vegas, and so they're going to be in Vegas saturday night in vegas sunday vegas monday vegas and then tuesday game and i think there's only one practice in there so they're going to have a lot of time to just kind of hang out and and be in vegas and towards was asked this question um actually kevin kurz asked him about it and he and he laughed about it and said look it's 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 good you know get out there and the, you know have some have some time to spend you know getting getting to hang out with each other in places that you know you don't normally get to hang out they deserve an opportunity and you know what if they come into a practice or come into a game and you know they've they've had a late night the night before and they're playing guilty that's a good thing right he said that a few times was, that's not the first time he said it but um as somebody who's been part of teams before and, and you've had those kinds of road trips and and guys get to hang out together how, how much value do you really put into that as far as developing the kind of culture that you need for for a successful team
0: you know it's really funny i'm going to quote the new president because he used to say that the jonesy uh, he used to say those team building exercises if you have good goaltending you don't need it <laughs> <laughs> He goes, team building is called good goaltending. That'll stop oh a lot. God. Was he ever right? John LeClair said that. I remember one year Ken Hitchcock came in there and he like waddled into the room like I always did. And we're sitting in this lodge up in Canmore. Remember we had to go up there for a. Uh, yeah. It was like 2005 up north of, uh, of Calgary because we opened out in the, uh, Western Canada. Yeah. And uh, I remember Hitch came in. And he's like, eh, how did you guys enjoy the team building today? And I remember Johnny just fucking looked at him and went, what a fucking waste of time. (laughs) You're you're better off sending 20 guys out in a beer drinking, a night of beer drinking and joining them up that way. But it's so funny how every team does this uh, and they can, will continue to do it. But I I think it's so funny that those are some of your veteran guys. That's what they thought of it. Uh, And I was kind I've kind of fell into the same line as those guys. Like it's nice, but you know, like falling off a picnic table into someone's arms, and like your group is like kind of fucking goofy. Like, uh, let's just go out and play hockey boys and let's love each other because we're a team and let's play hard for one. And that's how you build stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but again, it's, it's nice. I'm sure they're going to have golf out there and nice dinners and stuff. And, uh, but, so, but, think,
2: so there's value to those to those things right to be able to just,
0: but, but the actual yes the social the,
2: aspect of it
0: yes the, the social part but the other like the team stuff where you're doing like that they bring in the trust so money. you don't
1: believe in the trust fall is what you're saying no i don't i
0: think so it's if we stood anthony up
1: on a picnic table and told him to fall back would we catch him or would we just let him crash well, to i'm not ground? gonna let
0: you fall russ like i'm gonna be there to catch you, but at the same time you're falling i'd be saying to myself what the fuck am i doing here <laughs> <laughs> i
2: I'd, I'd, I'd trust bundy i wouldn't trust you russ that's for sure.
0: So, for uh, sure. yeah, we're going to have a little fun with it. But that's so funny that that, that you say that. And um, you know what, Anthony? I, I believe in, in camaraderie and team stuff more as much as anybody, and I think it's great. So hopefully they can figure it out there, and hopefully they find a way to get some points before they take to that Vegas trip. Yeah. Uh, it'll it'll certainly make for the trip a lot better. We were supposed to go to New Orleans. Remember with Roger Nielsen, he canceled the trip because we'd lost, like, you know, we hadn't won in 12 straight. So, different times i guess but uh it probably would have been better if they sent us maybe we would have come around a little quicker <laughs>
2: um uh w- one quick thing here before i get to my last thing so uh michael said thanks for not being the morgan frost issue to death today um i, I do have something on that but i, w- I will save it what we'll save it. yeah we'll save it we'll Why save, are you gonna it. save it And yeah, because it's not necessarily it fits into the mold of what we're t- discussing today i think we'll save it for Let's see what happens in the game tonight and tomorrow and could be part of the uh, the morning afters over the next day or two. See how things is he, go. Is he going to play tonight? Well, that's the question. That's that's part yeah, of it. That's right why I said course. that's why I want to save it. Yeah. Um, the last thing I, that I wanted to bring up, and I think that a lot of people have asked about over the course of the morning here, uh, now afternoon, um, is Mike Richards is coming yeah. back uh, to take part in the alumni game that was announced and is kind of a uh, – I think it was a little bit of a surprise to everybody that this was a thing that an olive branch that was that was reached out and and he accepted it to come back. Um, I just want to get your guys' take on it because I, I actually think it's kind of a good thing. Um, I think it's good. It'll be, I think it'll be. I think it'll be good for Mike um, to get back and get it and realize that he was appreciated by a lot of people here, despite all of the. Uh, uh, all the stuff that he kind of went through, whether it was dealing with the media who he hated or whether it was dealing with, you know, the way that the team moved on from him. Um, I think I think he'll find it a little bit cathartic uh, for himself. And I think it'll be good for the fans to to say that, hey, look, we, we are now getting a connection back to that group of guys. Um, it's not, you know, th- that's the next group of guys that we need to have that, you know, alumni connection to that we don't really have anybody from that group other than really like Danny because he's the GM right but we don't really have a connection to that group so I think it's it's good to get him back as well uh, I think it's I think this will be a win win
0: Yeah I mean listen they've you know, Eric came back so I mean anybody can come back after that so Yeah um uh, I played with Mike for a year he was a great teammate like good guy young guy when i play with him wow that's right you did play with him for a year i, I played with mike for a year yeah we were yeah. teammates and he was a good kid he's from ontario you know i i love talking to him just but very very you know again whatever went on and, and i don't want to get into it now um he went on and won two stanley cups elsewhere uh, and i think that's great like i think anybody that you go through a hockey journey uh there was a sour taste i think when he left town um the guy, I can't deny, is winning. Winning ways, you know. He's won American League. He's won at the the CHL. He's won World Juniors. He's won at the NHL level. Um, In the Olympics, just feel like one of those guys. You just have like you have him around and you win. And you know, I, again, there's a lot of stuff that you know I think went on on a personal level that ended up you know for him moving out of here. But I loved him. I think it's going to be great that he's coming back. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, And you know what? Uh, We all go through issues in life that people may sour on you. And it's happened to me many times. And, uh, you know, you can only hope that you have enough good people running things and doing the right things uh, that you can, you you can, you can mend those fences. And I think certainly uh, this is a guy that certainly deserves to have those fences mended here. He was a good flyer for a few years, captain. And, uh, and he brought a lot of joy, a lot of good playoff series to this team. So, I'm looking forward to getting on the ice with Mike. If I decide I'm going to play, I already asked if I could, we'll see what happens, but uh, uh, it'll be a great thing. uh, I think for, for him to come back, he was a well-celebrated player in his tenure here and uh, would have liked to have seen it be a 15 year career here, but uh, um, maybe Carter, I see Carter's name. Maybe he retires by then. He can join us too. (laughs) (laughs) He's not, he's not close. I mean, he's, he's getting close rather. I mean, he's getting up there in age now. So, uh, but Mike, is, Mike was really, really, really good. So,
1: this is a good question by Lee Carasso, who threw out the olive branch to Mike Brier I, or Jonesy. I would, or could bet, it have been both?
2: I, it, I would, well, I would say it's probably a little bit of both. Um, I would bet that it's Jonesy primarily, but I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if if Danny got on a call there as well and just kind of talk about what the what, you know what they're trying to do here. Okay. I mean, Danny was Danny was a teammate of his, right? So. Um, I think that that, that always goes an, another step further. Sure, Jonesy's had a relationship with him as well uh, as a broadcaster, um, but I think that that probably, you know, a guy who was in the room and, and battled with him on the ice probably has uh, uh, it goes a lot further. I think for for a player like Richards, um, yeah. I, I'm going to tell a quick Mike Richards story and then um, and then we'll, we can wrap this thing up. Uh, so just so everybody knows, we are making every effort uh, to get Mike on snow, the goalie. Um, I, I, think it's going to happen. Um, we have a lot of buy-in for it. It's just a matter of when he's coming into town. Um, and went, you know, and tying that together with, with our episode. Um, but I'm pretty certain that he's going to come on. I, I feel confident in saying it. Um, if something falls through, I'll tell you why, but I mean, it, it, I think it's going to happen. Uh, when Mike Richards was here, he had a very poor relationship with the media. Um, in general. Um, I was not one of the people who he had a poor relationship with. We actually spoke a lot. Um, and when he was traded, uh, to LA that summer, I was actually on vacation up on a, a lake in Ontario, um, in a town called, uh, Halliburton, Ontario, Lake I believe I know Halliburton well, right. I think that's the name of the, of the lake that's up there. And so I was up there for the summer, and I was like, you know what? I should see. I know Mike's got a, uh, a cabin somewhere up here in Ontario, and I, Bundy, I, this goes to show you how clueless I was about the size of He's of Ontario. Kenora. He's from twelve he, hours. Well, Wait. well, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> so I call him up. I call him up, and I'm like, hey man, I'm like, you know, I'm it's totally totally uh, unexpected, but I'm up up at a cabin in Ontario, and I thought. You know, hey, any chance we can get together? And maybe catch up and like talk about what happened. You know, and you leaving and now go head in LA. And he's like, "Yeah, man, why don't you come out? I'll give you, you know, give you my address, and um, you know, we'll, we'll you know go out fishing and we'll you know have a you know we'll have a few beers and we'll tell you know, tell a story and whatever." I'm like, all right, great. He gives me the address. and I look it up and it was <laughs> it was like I think a fourteen hour drive from where I was to where he was. I was like, I had no idea Ontario was that massive. <laughs>
0: Massive. Like you go to Thunder Bay, yeah. like you get up to Lake Superior and yeah, yeah. you're talking Richie, like you're talking about how long it would take him like, like a five hour flight from Philly It, it was how, like, crazy I, yeah. I,
2: I couldn't believe how far it was I, So Unfortunately, I did not go to Mike Richards Cottage that summer That's where you and drive and, 14
1: and, hours <laughs> in Anthony. That would have been an even better story Imagine all, all that you would have gotten out of him My family Imagine would he have sent you the me. Address and He
2: wasn't actually there My <laughs> family would have killed me if I would have said, guys, I'm going to go drive 14 hours, go see Mike Richards while we're on vacation, that would have been fun, bad. Though. Could have been so, a fun time. Could have been I didn't know we wanted
0: him on. I probably would have texted him. If we want to get him on, I should try. He might tell me to beat it, but who knows? We can't do <laughs> it until you try. Do we <laughs> want to right. get anybody on? You guys should let us know who you'd like us to interview. Throw some ideas at us on Twitter and let yeah. us know. because It's very easy for us to get guys, whether it's a current player or an alumni that you may find interesting. We'd love to have guys like that on for wow. 15, 20 minutes.
1: You know, if you, if you believe Teddy, you guys work for the team. It's 100% of you on the show. And can you please explain to we Teddy? We don't work. We do not work for the team. And to a couple of
2: the people on Twitter who don't seem to understand yet. We do not work for the team. Thank we just you. sat here and freaking ripped them for an hour and 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. you're going to sit there and tell us that we work for the team? Come on, man. If they want to start, listen, if everybody <laughs> has a
1: price. If they want to pay me a substantial amount of money to be a content creator, on all the like, we can have a conversation, but that ain't happening. They aren't no. signing my checks.
2: No, all we have is a, a partnership. We are a licensee of the team. Mm-hmm. That does not mean we are mm-hmm. pay, we are not paid by the team. We are not a team employee. So
1: they give us very nice equipment to use at the press row show. A good spot that we can set up where we sometimes are very critical of them, and sometimes we try to praise the guys when they do the the stuff very well on the ice. But uh, there we go. We're getting people.
0: Oh, Here, by the let's, way, let's, Adam, let's see. Adam, some Glickish, names. Adam
2: Glickish just put um uh Sean Podine in. Uh, Bundy, did you know Podes?
0: I know. I played with him. <laughs> That's
2: right, you did play with Podes. What a great what a great dude he is.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. He uh, I yeah, I can't say him bad. I mean, I just I went out with him a lot. I'm trying to put those memories behind
1: me. <laughs> Dee Skinner says uh chemo, chemo teaming in. know we probably fourth get host on. Nancy says chemo, be still my heart. But Russ, uh, she, she
2: likes a lot of people, Russ. She, she likes does. a lot. The, the sweet baby. She likes Leclaire. Sweet she, baby muffin, wants, Bobby Brinker. Is that what, is, what she called him? Something like that. Dumpling. Sweet uh, baby. Dumpling. Dumpling. dumpling nah, muffin,
1: but she dumpling. Uh, she likes from the childhood. We both like John Leclaire. She really liked John Leclaire. That's her favorite player when we were growing up. Yeah. And then Kimo, when we were in college, Kimo Timon was just like the nice steady vet. Um, Lee Carasso, though, Iron Mike ain't happening. We tried this. We tried this during COVID. We tried this for over a year. Iron Mike Keenan couldn't figure out how to, how to get on his computer and turn on the camera. It was something. It
2: three, was something. To- three times, and then the third time, he, the, on the third one, he absolutely ghosted us. Like The first two, he was just sending me messages like, I can't get on this damn thing. I don't understand how this internet thing mm-hmm. works with Zoom because that's what we were using Zoom at the time. Um, and then the third time he set the comment. We were sitting here waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. And he didn't show up. And we were like, I'm texting him. And he just never responded. Yeah. <laughs> he just never responded. This is, a, this is a good one. Wayne Simmons. That would be interesting. It would be. I just.
1: It, he's yeah. still
0: inactive. He's still technically active. I guess he's active technically player. active.
2: I, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Now, J. Um, good.
0: Roman Chekmonik's not happening. I don't even know if he can speak. He couldn't speak <laughs> when he was here. Someone put Solmich down too. <laughs> somic
2: Yeah.
1: Sean C. Yeah. says Mike Knubel. We've had Knubel on the show. I'd encourage we people did. to go back into the archives. By the way, I, I'm still adding we also had episodes Ronic. to the podcast feed. We also had going to take. Show. I think I still have a lot of the videos that we didn't release at the time because we didn't have a YouTube channel at the time, but I think I still have a lot of the interviews that we did during COVID um, that we can throw onto the YouTube channel. But Knubel is one that we did on video as well. Uh, let's see. Rico. This has been a question a few times about having Rico
0: on. You know what, understand. Rico's I, – I texted Rico like a few months ago just to check in. He, I, he's weird. Nobody can get a hold of him. He's around. He's alive. But he went back to Quebec, and what, and I know this. But what happened is is that he when he came here, he spoke a lot more English, but he went back. And what happens is when you put the English down, you lose a lot of your English
1: again. Yeah, It's very
0: so, so that right. would be – it's kind of interesting to think like, – I mean – I don't have a probably closer guy like on the ice in Rico. So if we could ever get him, I'd love to have him. On, but it just depends where he's at with that.
1: Chris naffy wants to know if we'd ever get Lindros nope. on the Only Flyers podcast. He would not do it.
0: No. Nope. Unless you paid him. Uh... <laughs>
1: hey, the Flyers can pay him
2: to uh, to make an appearance. Who knows? I, Who's to I say? Have a fe- I have a feeling that that relationship is probably that ship has sailed a little bit. Oh. Uh, not to say that he's permanently gone or anything like that. But to think that Eric Lindros is now an ambassador for the team again, I yeah, no, not happen. No, don't think that that's a, don't think that's a thing anymore.
1: This is a good one. So Teddy actually asks like Bundy, who do you think would be a good guest? Because everybody's throwing out names, but not everybody's an interesting interview. Go back to your, to your playing days. Who's somebody who would have great stories
0: well i want and that's that's part of it like i have johnny LeClair on but he's not a great storyteller he loves listening to stories and he's a funny guy like he's one of my best friends in hockey we room together but in terms of coming on and being able to spit out a story and drag the audience and that's not his forte uh that's that's something to think about like who's a character like i there's a lot of characters i played with so it's a matter of kind of getting into it let me think on that one a little bit because there's a lot of really good dudes i i did play with and uh uh, or no from the organization. We always want to try to have some flyer flair to it, but if we obviously <laughs> ever got a guy like Wayne Gretzky, we're not gonna say no to it or or I'd love to have Yager on whenever he retires and talk about the, that that rivalry, but um that I had with him with his years as a penguin against the Flyers. So there's a lot of interesting ones and uh we'll try to figure that one out.
1: It's gonna be really weird when you check him and he, he gets knocked off the stream. Just gonna be very No, no? Okay. <laughs> uh <laughs> Hitchcock
0: yeah let's get hitchy can, on can let's come get- on and tell us how great he is how he's changed oh. so many lives and delivered stanley cup to a city that hadn't had one before god i was so good <laughs> and that's why i'm going in the hall of fame because i'm amazing Used to sit there, we used to sit there on the bench sometimes when he was coaching and it would be like a bad play on the power play and he'd like fucking launch himself like into the glass behind him. And I remember we'd sit there and I'd be like, holy fuck, you're going to break the glass and fly into the seats behind him. I remember, I remember like eight guys would look around like, fuck it, settle down, you're going to bust the glass. So, uh, fuck, anyway, yeah, great. great. That was his, probably his uh... Hall of Fame speech
1: like
2: God help us. That's just
0: too good. Oh, here
1: we go. Hey Bundy, <laughs> we can, you and I could work this out together.
0: Yes, can we <laughs> Fuck! He used that was his line. He'd be on this thing, you'd be like, Fuck
2: Here you go. Here you go. Go, go ahead, guys.
0: Where? Fuck. Oh, he he,
1: he he wants Hitch to talk to Trump. Go ahead.
0: Fuck, why are you playing so light right now? Fuck!
1: I play very heavy. Very heavy. I'm not very heavy. I, I don't weigh a lot. I'm in great shape. I play just heavy enough. And I also play light. Uh, I'm light on my feet like a ballerina. I float like a butterfly. I sting like a bee.
0: Fuck, you can't be talking about me then, huh?
1: What's your favorite breakfast food? Do you have a favorite? Do you like bacon?
0: He Bring Anthony back No, no, you're not (laughs) going there Ron. (laughs) I eat because I'm sad I'm sad because I eat
2: (laughs) Oh, we are not doing that We are not going there We are not doing it (laughs) Uh, All right, Russell. Well, I anyway, saw what this, you were trying to do. Listen, You're such, a, such an evil little man you are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I'm totally five. I just oh. I
2: was just wondering.
1: All right. <clears throat> show went off the rails. We got to do an hour and a half. We got to do the show that we always like to do where we didn't have to break down the game. But we will be doing that Saturday and Sunday. We'll be doing the morning after <coughs> I think I like screwed up my voice now. Bunny had me, Bunny had me laughing so hard before that I had like a coughing fit, which did not feel great. But my heart feels full after we've gone through this together. Um,
0: you guys want flyers remain out on the West you Coast. Want you want one more? Huh? Story? Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Comes off. Me and Desjardins come off the ice once. We had a play. Actually got the puck out of the zone, and he's like, "Hey, you two, this isn't the fucking ice capades." And. I think it was Jr. turned around and goes thank fucking god you're not in the ice capes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we
0: the next before I went the next shift I picked, pictured Hitch with like one of those tutus on and like those little fucking stretch pants doing like a flip in the air. Like a, like a little spin.
1: <laughs> I want to see Hitch on skates so bad now. I might Photoshop it. I swear. I might. He couldn't
0: even tie his skates. That was a process. (laughs) We used to have guys sneaking around the corner looking, going, fuck, look, he can't even get his skates. (laughs) tied." Soon to be Hockey Hall of
1: Famer. Uh. Pacing up those skates. All right. um, That's enough. Flyers (laughs) played the Ducks on Friday night. They play the Kings with a 10:30 start on Saturday night. We'll have the morning after <coughs> times to be determined. Somewhat mongrel hours on Saturday and Sunday.
0: Mongrel and hours.
1: Then they're back on the uh, – they're continuing to be on the road on Wednesday against the Hurricanes. We'll have a morning after show that Thursday. They're back at Wells Fargo Center for the first time in quite a while. Uh, next Saturday, the 18th, they'll be hosting the Vegas Golden Knights, and they've, they're they also home against the Blue Jackets. So a lot of hockey coming up in the next uh, 10 days or so. Actually, no, that's that's not true. It's really the next nine days, nine, 10 days. A lot of hockey. And we will be here to break it all down here on
2: Snow the Goalie. You can find us on YouTube. By the way, I, just, make, wanted the th- I just wanted to... Go ahead. Because Chris, <clears throat> Chris Naffy put this up. So Bobby Taylor, who has been a broadcaster down with the Tampa Bay Lightning for years. He has a podcast, and one of our our listeners, uh, Ray, had sent, sent over a little snippet of a podcast, and he was talking about, Bobby Taylor was talking about his time in Philly, and something, a story that I had never heard before, and I just wanted to mention it real quick. It's really kind of funny. So when he was here, um, he, there was a woman who I guess worked for the Flyers, and they were really close, and then it was like, um. Hey. Uh, you know. I guess her uncle died, and so a couple. They asked a few of the guys. Hey, can you go to, the go to the you know woman's uncle's funeral? Show up. You know, make it a good sign for the you know the flyers attended. You know, make her feel good about it. So Bobby Taylor goes. The only other guy that would go with him was Tom Bleed and was a defenseman back then mm-hmm. with them. And um, they so they show up, and as they're walking into the funeral home in South Philly, they're getting frisked. And they didn't understand why, and, you know, and all these people are like looking at him and staring at him weird. These two younger guys walking in, right? And they're like, <clears throat> finally they walk over, and they, said, who, who's your uncle? It was mob boss Angelo Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea that they were going to the to the viewing for Angelo Bruno, who was murdered by um, John Gotti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And they just walked into it, like thinking they were doing something. They thought they were doing them hey, doing Bernie. something nice, hey, and it was like a oh. great
0: guy. He was a great guy. Huh? <laughs> I love that guy. Huh? When I win the cup there. He's sitting in the stands, going, "Hey, Bernie, fucking great job winning the cup!" Huh? And I <laughs> find out he died. And I said, "I gotta get down there." It was the chicken man that killed Bruno. I said, "Let's go to the funeral." I hear they'll have a few beer after. <laughs> i do before we go happy birthday to my son tomorrow he'll be 17 hey happy birthday chris (laughs) championship tonight um for football so happy birthday to my only son and number four of the kids so it's going to be uh we'll have a good weekend and uh we got flyer hockey back to back right guys i know we went totally off the rails today but if you're not laughing you're crying so you may as well start laughing that's right that's exactly right. right um
1: there's also a note here. I haven't. I have not seen the highlight yet. But uh, let's see who was it that just said it. Eric Berkey says that Mishkov just scored over in the KHL. He's oh, having a nice cut, season. cut up
2: the video. Cut up the video, Russ. Hurry up. Put it
1: out. Promote it. We need. We need somebody to just be our social media intern to do the clipping of the video. Just, want, where's, where's, we don't want to do that? Where's intern Andrew? Where we need him. We. Know. You know what? Intern Andrew should really. He needs to work harder on this stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, we love intern Andrew. Great guy. Um. All right. We will be back tomorrow morning morning, to break down the Ducks game. We'll be back on Sunday morning to break down the Kings game. We thank everybody who joined us live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. We thank everybody who watches after the fact on those platforms. And of course, we love the people who listen in the podcast feed, which reminds us that if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, that you leave a five-star rating and a five-star review. It's been a while since we've had one. We haven't been asking for them. But if you love the show, Even if you like the show, even if you hate the show, leave a five-star review. We'll read what's in your review. Even if it's critical, we love it. We will read it. If you're on Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating in the app. So please do. And let at least two people in your life know about Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast. Let them know that we're here. We do the show live. We do the Press Row Show up in the sports book, the third floor, all the way up. You go to section one twenty one. You take that little elevator all the way up to the sportsbook. You tell them you're coming over to Snow the Goalie in the sportsbook. Come find us. We do the Press Row Show. We do the morning after. We do this show. And a big thank you to everybody, as always. So for Ant, who you can find on Twitter, at AntSanPhilly. For Bundy, on Twitter, at CTerrian6. I'm Russ, at JoyOnBroad. Thanks for listening to and maybe even watching Snow the Goalie. We will talk to you all again, I guess, tomorrow morning.